everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history and today we're going to be talking about the case of Kate Webster. So today this is something pretty different for me because the case of Kate Webster is a very old case that takes place in the late 1800s in Victorian Britain. So this is the oldest true crime case that I've ever covered. And I just find cases from this long ago so fascinating purely because it was just a completely different way of living. So not only is it interesting because of the true crime element, it's also interesting because it's just so different from how we live today. And the case of Kate Webster was a particularly shocking case for its time because it is pretty gruesome, I'm not gonna lie. But what made it even more shocking is that it was committed by a woman. I know, shock, horror. The case of Kate Webster did receive a lot of attention purely because Kate was a woman. I truly believe that if a man had committed this crime, it would not have gotten the same attention. And I don't want to give too much away in the intro, but David Attenborough does make a surprise appearance somewhere in this story. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something that I wasn't expecting. So with all of that being said, let's jump in. So Kate Webster was actually born Kate Lawler and she was born in Killeen, Ireland. And it's thought that she was born in 1849. Uh, they didn't really keep very accurate records of when people were born back then. So we don't know her birthday and we think that she was born in 1849. And again, no shocker here, but not much is known about Kate's early life. But what we do know is that she gained quite a reputation of being a little thief, let's just say. Kate started to steal things from a very early age. She had a reputation for this. Kate herself claims that she married a man named Webster. That's obviously his last name. We don't know his first name. And apparently he was a sea captain. And this is obviously where she gets the name Kate Webster from. She also claims that she had four children with this man called Webster by the age of 15. Now, I know times were different, okay? But four children by the time you're 15? I mean, could that be true? I mean, it could, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it could be true. Um, but it seems unlikely and there's absolutely no evidence to back up the fact that Kate had four children or even that she did marry this man named Webster and Kate was definitely one of those people that liked to tell a tale or two. She just had a propensity for lying. She just lied all the time. You just never knew she was telling the truth or not. Basically like Colleen Harris who we talked about last week. Now Kate also claimed uh, that all four of her children and her husband died in a very short space of time, which obviously explains why none of them were around. And like I said, I know the maths could technically add up uh, of her having four children by the age she's 15, but just the fact that they all died, her husband died. Uh, I know people died a lot younger in the 1800s and everything, but just the fact that all four children died and her husband died, 
I am going to say that I don't believe this. However, something that we do know for sure, because there are records of this, that when Kate was 15 years old, she was sentenced to three years in prison because she committed larceny. And larceny uh, is just kind of another word for theft. So if I say larceny again in this video, um, it kind of just means theft. And after being released from prison three years later, so she's 18 now, she does move to England. She decides that she wants a fresh start. She wants to move to England. I think she did move to England to find work. So after she was released from prison, she started to steal more things. Yes, even though she's just been released from prison for theft, she continued on to steal until she saved enough money for a boat ticket to Liverpool. And then once she arrived in Liverpool, I think uh, she struggled to get work. I think she thought that it was gonna be a lot easier than it was. So she couldn't really get work that easily. So what did she do? she resorted back to stealing. So after only being in Liverpool for a year, she was sent back to prison and she was sentenced for four years for committing larceny. She really does have sticky fingers. She really can't help herself. And then she was released from prison in January, 1872. She is now in her early twenties. This is when she decided that she'd had enough of Liverpool and she wanted to move to London. Again, I think she moved to London for job opportunities because obviously it is the capital. And when she got to London, she settled into Hammersmith, which is just like a district of central London. And she became a maid. Not long after moving to London, Kate did give birth to a son that she named John. But the identity of the father is not actually known because Kate, remember she has a propensity for lying. She's actually given three different identities for the father of her child. Kate herself has said that this forced her into a life of crime because she needed to steal things in order for her and her son to survive, which I'm not disputing. I'm not saying that that's not true, but you were already doing this before your son Kate, so I don't know. This is actually really reflective of the times. This was very common. During this period in London, it was the Industrial Revolution, which obviously made a hell of a lot of people rich, but it also made so many people worse off than they were before and it pushed them further into poverty. So during this period, it was actually really common for people to turn to crime in order to just survive. So Kate turned back to something that she was pretty good at. Even though she'd gone to prison a few times, she was pretty good at stealing and the more she did it, the better she got. So what Kate would do, she would rent a room in a boarding house. She would steal everything in that room before fleeing before paying the rent on that room. And when she was staying in these boarding houses, she would use various different aliases because obviously word would get around and then she probably wouldn't be allowed to stay in these boarding rooms. So she used her name Webster. She also used Gibbons, Gibbs, uh, Lawler, which is obviously her birth name. Like I said, she was good at it, but she did end up getting caught. So just after her son's first birthday, she was sent back to prison and she was charged with 36 counts of theft. And you're probably wondering uh, what happened to her son, because obviously she was looking after her son. Apparently he was being looked after by a friend of Kate's, who is Sarah Crease. So Kate spent a total of 18 months in prison for this 36 counts of theft. And then literally she got released and then she was sent back to prison 
pretty much straight away for committing theft again. And then she was sent to prison for another year on top of that. I swear, prison to Kate is like a second home. It really is. But just a side note here, because I found this really interesting because when I do my research, quite often I fall down the rabbit hole of something that's not even to do with the case. Um, but I found down the rabbit hole of what prisons were like in the 1800s. Like I said, because of the Industrial Revolution and everything, in the 1800s, there was a dramatic increase in crime. And people obviously, because of committing more crime, they were being sent to prison a lot more often. And this is thought to be because of the rise of the big cities because of the Industrial Revolution. Because before this, people lived in small little villages where if you committed crime, obviously everyone in these villages would know each other. And therefore, if you committed crime in these little villages, you wouldn't be able to get away with it. But when these cities started to get bigger and bigger and people were moving to the cities, because there were so many people, a lot of people did feel anonymous and they felt like they could commit crime and go undetected. Plus, like I said, the Industrial Revolution did push a lot of people further into poverty and they turned to crime to survive. But the living conditions in these big cities were just so terrible at times. It was so rough. So because of this dramatic increase in crime, what was needed? more prisons. Now at the beginning of the 1800s, most of the prisons were actually castles um, and most of them were really badly built, they were badly run and the conditions were just so terrible and they were so small as well. So the main aim of the new prisons that were being built was make them as bad as possible because if you make them as bad as possible, this will deter people from committing crime. They felt like they had to make the punishments in these prisons as bad as possible because they thought if the living conditions and the punishments and everything in the prisons was so bad, surely people aren't going to commit crime and go back. Well, we all know that that doesn't work, does it? I mean, some people still think that today, um, but that's another story. Um, but that is what they thought back in the 1800s. So one punishment that became really popular during this time was essentially to make the prisoners do really hard labor. And this labor, it wasn't like productive. It wasn't helping anyone or anything. It was pointless hard labor. It was basically just making the prisoners work really hard for no reason. And I found this really, really interesting because I didn't know this before researching this case, but it's thought that this is when the treadmill was invented. Yeah, you know treadmill that you run on in the gym? Prisoners were made to walk or run on these mechanical devices. Of course, they weren't electric. They don't look anything like the treadmills that we obviously have today. And they were created to literally make the prisoners run and just think about what they've done. And they thought that if prisoners are given the time to reflect on their crimes, on their actions, that they would be rehabilitated. Another punishment as well that was really common was something called the silence system. And it's pretty self-explanatory what that is. The prisoners were not allowed to talk to one another. They weren't allowed to talk. Even though they were surrounded by other prisoners, None of them were allowed to talk to each other. They had to stay in silence. And again, this is thought that if they're in silence, they're reflecting on their behavior, they're reflecting on their actions, and they'll be rehabilitated. So yeah, that's your little history lesson there of what prisons were like in the 1800s. They weren't very nice places at all, and they were actually made to be as bad as they possibly could to deter people from committing crime. And this is the kind of prison that Kate was going in and out of. A lot of the time her sentences did include hard labor where she would just have to do pointless hard tasks to reflect on her crime. But it's quite clear in the case of Kate anyway, these punishments didn't work. So it's 1879 now, Kate is around 30 years old. She has just been released from prison. 
And this is when she finds work with a woman called Mrs. Thomas. Now, Mrs. Thomas is in her 50s. It's thought that she was probably about 54 at this point. Again, we don't know exactly her age because things aren't documented as well. But Mrs. Thomas was formerly a school teacher. She was well educated and was thought to be lower middle class. Mrs. Thomas was also twice widowed and since the death of her second husband in 1873, she had lived alone at two vine cottages in Richmond. Now, Mrs. Thomas was described as eccentric by her neighbors and I can't help but think like what would be eccentric in 1879? Like what would people think was eccentric? Like, I don't know, was it literally just something as stupid as, oh my God, she's wearing her dress one inch too short? Or was it because she was a woman and she lived alone? But it's also thought that Mrs. Thomas was incredibly lonely as well. And it's also thought that she wasn't as wealthy as some people would think. Basically, Mrs. Thomas tried to give off the impression that she had a lot more money than she did. She would buy jewelry that she couldn't afford. She would buy dresses that she couldn't afford. She would dress to the nines all the time to give off the impression of wealth. And I feel like trying to portray wealth was very common in Victorian times. Let's just say in in this time period, everyone was very concerned with status. Everything was about keeping up appearances, making it look like you were something that you were not. And when I really think about it, that just sounds like social media. And one thing that Mrs. Thomas felt like she had to have um, was a maid because this gave off the impression of wealth and it gave off the impression that she could afford to have a maid. And this is how Mrs. Thomas met Kate Webster. My eyeliner is running out and I refuse to get a new one. So these wings are proving more difficult than normal. So basically, Mrs. Thomas had a friend that knew Kate that recommended Kate to Mrs. Thomas. And Mrs. Thomas pretty much hired Kate on the spot. She didn't really ask many questions and there was no such thing as like a background check in those days. And by this time, Kate had a pretty detailed criminal record, but obviously Mrs. Thomas doesn't know this. So Kate starts working for Mrs. Thomas on the 29th of January, 1879. And Kate also moved into Mrs. Thomas's house. And I think this was pretty standard practice for those days. Her son didn't live with her though. Um, her son continued on staying with that friend, you know, that friend that was looking after her son when she was in prison. Um, I don't really feel like Kate had much to do with the upbringing of her son. It just seemed like she just pawned him off onto this friend and the friend actually raised him, Sarah Crease. Uh, not actually Kate, but yeah. So yeah, it's just Kate that moves into the house. And things are bad from the get-go. Kate has said that she thought Mrs. Thomas was a nice person, but then when she moved in and actually started working for her, uh, she wasn't. The relationship between Mrs. Thomas and Kate deteriorated very quickly. Mrs. Thomas was just uh, not the easiest person to work for, let's just say. She would constantly follow Kate around the house, constantly telling her all the things that she was doing wrong, pointing out areas that she'd missed. She was just extremely critical of Kate's cleaning. And apparently she had a little bit of a reputation for this as well. She was a very hard person to work for. I think she had quite a high turnover. And when I read this, I got Emily Gilmore vibes uh, completely. And Kate became pretty resentful and hateful towards Mrs. Thomas. And I think Kate was making it pretty obvious that she didn't like Mrs. Thomas. And Mrs. Thomas picked up on this quite quickly to the point where she was actually kind of scared of Kate. And apparently she was that scared of Kate that she had arranged for someone from her church to temporarily move in and live with her 
so she wasn't on her own with Kate. And I just think if Mrs. Thomas was that scared of Kate, I'm not saying she wasn't, but it's just like, if she was that scared of Kate, why wouldn't she just fire her, you know? Um, and I don't really know who is in the wrong in this situation. I feel like they were probably both a bit difficult. So this kind of working relationship wasn't exactly sustainable, is it? So on the 28th of February, so like a month after Kate had started working for Mrs. Thomas, Mrs. Thomas had informed her that she was fired. And Kate was really angry and upset about this because um, she was being fired on a Friday. Kate said to Mrs. Thomas that it was pretty much impossible for her to find work over the weekend. And if Kate had no work, that also meant she had nowhere to live. So Kate practically begged Mrs. Thomas just to let her stay for the weekend, just to allow her to stay and work for her for a couple more days. And then on Monday, she would be gone and she would be able to find work easier on a Monday and therefore somewhere to live. Against her better judgment, Mrs. Thomas did agree to allow Kate to stay for the weekend. Kate stayed that one final weekend and worked for Mrs. Thomas. And then on the Sunday evening, Kate was supposed to help Mrs. Thomas get ready for her weekly trip to church. However, Kate decided that she didn't really wanna do this and instead she just wanted to get drunk at the pub. I mean, it is Sunday evening. Uh, she just doesn't care anymore. She's been fired. This is her last night working for Mrs. Thomas. She just doesn't care. So because of this, Mrs. Thomas didn't have Kate's help on getting ready to church. So this made her late. And when she did arrive to church, she was quite agitated. She was very disheveled. And people in church also noticed how just aggravated and irritated she was. And she did turn up late, which is something that she didn't like to do. And this forced her to have to sit at the back of the church and she wasn't able to sit in her usual seat. After the church service, Mrs. Thomas made her way home and Kate was there waiting for her. And pretty much instantly an argument broke out. Mrs. Thomas was shouting at Kate as she made her way upstairs and Kate was just completely furious. She was done with all of this. She was not gonna take this anymore. So she followed Mrs. Thomas upstairs and was shouting back at her. And then when they were both at the top of the stairs, Kate's anger just overwhelmed her. It got the better of her. And she grabbed Mrs. Thomas and threw her down the stairs. And this was quite a big fall and she landed very heavily, but it didn't knock her unconscious. And when she had gone to the bottom of the stairs, she started screaming and shouting. And Mrs. Thomas's house was a semi-detached house and the walls between her house and her neighbor's house were very thin. So Kate knew that the neighbors would be able to hear Mrs. Thomas screaming and shouting. So Kate ran downstairs after Mrs. Thomas and she started to strangle her. And Kate continued to strangle Mrs. Thomas until very sadly, she lost her life. Now it's not actually known if Kate intended to murder Mrs. Thomas. There are speculations that it was just an accident. It was a heat of the moment thing and Kate let her anger get the better of her. But then there are speculations that Kate actually went to the pub to get drunk, to almost give herself the confidence and the courage to follow through with her plans of murdering Mrs. Thomas. Regardless, whichever one is true, right now, Kate has a dead body on her hands and she just doesn't know what to do with it. And let's just say what Kate does with the body of Mrs. Thomas 
is probably what makes this case so infamous. Basically, Kate wanted to dispose of the body as best as she possibly could so she could get away with this crime. And the plan that she came up with is pretty gruesome. She started to dismember Mrs. Thomas's body. She found tools that were just lying around the house and the tools that she chose were a meat saw and a carving knife. I'm sorry, knives freak me out. And she just got to work separating all of the body parts. She then used a razor to detach the head. And I don't know why she used a razor. I mean, she had a meat saw. Like, why would you go from a meat saw to a razor to detach a head? I'm sorry, this just really freaks me out. Like, oh. Uh, and I'm sorry if you're eating at this point, maybe stop. She then opened up the stomach with the carving knife and she removed all of the organs and the insides and she decided to burn all of the insides because she thought that this was the best way to get rid of them. She then realized that even though she had dismembered this whole body, it was still recognizable. Like if you put it all back together, you would know that it was Mrs. Thomas. So she wanted to also disfigure the body as well so it couldn't be identified. So she filled up a copper pot with water. I'll put a picture on the screen of what like a copper pot would have looked like that she used. Obviously it's not the same one. So she got this copper pot, filled it with water, uh, proceeded to put the body parts in this copper pot and she boiled the body. And she just completely boiled the body until it was no longer recognizable, which just, I don't even wanna think about it. But this next bit, oh God, disgusts me even more. Like, I've gotta stop. Um, during the process of the boiling, some of the fat had started to separate from the body parts and mix with the water. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry if any of you are eating. So she thought, you know what? Can't let this go to waste, can we? Uh, she decided to separate the fat from the water and she put it into jars. And uh, if you're wondering what she did with the jars, we will return to that later. So once she was done with all of this, uh, she found a wooden trunk box thing and she started to place all of the body parts in this trunk. However, not all of it would fit. Uh, so she got all of it in apart from the head and one foot. And this whole dismembering and disfiguring boiling situation took her almost two days. But whilst she was doing all of this, uh, she had to make sure that she kept up appearances with the neighbors and with the local community. So she carried on being the maid for Mrs. Thomas. And the neighbors didn't suspect anything. Although they did note that there was a strange smell coming from the kitchen. Um, we all know what that was. So now that Mrs. Thomas is out of the way, Kate decides to take advantage of this. Remember, Kate has a bad case of sticky fingers. She likes to take things that are not hers. And Kate realizes that Mrs. Thomas actually has quite a few nice things. She has lots of nice jewelry, nice clothes, nice furniture, blah, 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 that I can sell and make some money from this. But to get away with selling all of Mrs. Thomas's belongings, she realized that she had to be Mrs. Thomas to not arouse suspicion. So this is what she did. She took on Mrs. Thomas's 
identity. She started dressing like her, she put on her jewellery, and she started to present herself as Mrs. Thomas to try and sell all of Mrs. Thomas's belongings. So Kate starts meeting various people to try and sell these belongings. She also uses this time to dispose of the body. So remember, she has this trunk full of Mrs. Thomas's body, but then she also has the head and the foot that she couldn't fit in the trunk. So she starts by getting rid of that random foot and she threw the foot on a nearby manure heap. And I'm sure she probably buried it in there, but she would have had to get her hands dirty. I mean, she's used to getting her hands dirty though, isn't she? But she then moved on to getting rid of the head, which is definitely a little bit of a strange story. So like I said, Kate was meeting with various people to try and sell Mrs. Thomas's possessions. Well, she had a meeting in a local pub with a man and his son to try and sell off some of Mrs. Thomas's possessions. Well, she thought that it would be a good idea to take the head along. So she put the head in a bag. I think it was kind of like a handbag, but I can't be sure. But she put the head in a bag and she took the bag with her. So Kate meets up with this man and his son and they walk to the pub and the man and his son take it in turns to hold Kate's bag. Obviously, they think that she's Mrs. Thomas, so... Yeah, it's very confusing. So I'm just going to call her Kate, even though she's pretending to be Mrs. Thomas. So the man and the son take turns holding Kate's bag, which has the head in, by the way. And they both were like making comments like, oh, this bag seems really heavy. Like, what do you have in it? But of course, Kate avoided these questions. She didn't answer them. So then they got to the pub. They clearly had their meeting. But Kate steps out for a while. She says that she has to just go and meet with a friend. But Kate hasn't gone to meet a friend, if you hadn't guessed. She'd gone to dispose of the head. She took the bag with the head in, she took it to the back of the pub, and she buried the head under some stables. And then she goes back into the pub and she carries it on the meeting. So following the end of the meeting, Kate asked if the son could accompany her home because she needed some help carrying some items to a friend's house. So once Kate and the son arrived at Kate or Mrs. Thomas's home, Kate pointed to the trunk, um, and we all know what's in that, and asked if the son could carry it. So they carry the trunk to Richmond Bridge, which goes over the River Thames, by the way. Kate said to the son that this is where you can drop the trunk now, this is where I'm going to meet my friend, like you can go. But Kate wasn't actually meeting a friend. So the son left and he remembers hearing a splash. So basically Kate had gotten the trunk and she threw the trunk with Mrs. Thomas's body in it into the River Thames. And then finally, oh God, this bit literally makes me feel sick to my stomach, but she had gotten rid of everything now, apart from those jars of fat. And it's rumored that she got rid of these jars by selling them to the public. She sold them to the public and said that they were jars of pig's fat that they could use in their cooking. Well, I don't know how true that is, but I wouldn't put it past Kate to do this. So basically people were using the fat of Mrs. Thomas to cook their roast potatoes. And that is another reason why this case is so infamous because she sold human fat to the public for them to use in their cooking. So Kate was just going about her business, but the trunk was discovered the day after she disposed of it. And it was found by, I think they were local fishermen, but there, there was somebody, it doesn't really matter, does it? But it was found and they did open the trunk and they initially thought that it was just 
pieces of animal meat that were in the trunk, but they just thought that it was just a little bit fishy, so they did phone the police. The police also thought, yeah, this doesn't really look like animal meat. So the police did figure out pretty quickly that it wasn't animal and it was in fact human, but because of the state the body was found in, I mean, obviously she boiled it, there was just no way to recognize who this could possibly be. Can you believe, like I was really shocked when I read this, but they weren't even sure if it was a murder. Like, how how can you be not sure if it's a murder? I mean, a body is cut up and found in a trunk in a river and they don't know if it's a murder. But apparently it was actually quite common for bodies to show up in the River Thames at this time. And it was quite common for body parts to also turn up, which is just not very nice to think about. I mean, just imagine going for like a little lunchtime stroll along the river and you see a body or a foot or something in the river and that's normal. The police also thought that the body could have been dumped by medical students because apparently medical students would just dump bodies and body parts into the river as well. I also read, which has got nothing to do with the story, but really creeped me out. I read that medical students back in those times used to dig up dead bodies to like practice on. No. So of course, no one made the connection of the body to Mrs. Thomas and therefore connecting it to Kate. So it went on for about two weeks where Kate was just pretending to be Mrs. Thomas and slowly over those two weeks, she was selling all of her possessions. However, one day, one of the neighbors saw a load of Mrs. Thomas's furniture being sold and being carried out of the house. And this is when they clocked on to the fact that Kate was clearly pretending to be Mrs. Thomas. And Kate realized that her time was up. She couldn't go on pretending to be Mrs. Thomas. And she actually fled back to Ireland. And when the police were informed about Mrs. Thomas being missing and Kate pretending to be Mrs. Thomas, they started to investigate the case. So when the police are searching Mrs. Thomas's house for any clues on where she could be, they come across a handle of a trunk that matches the trunk that they found in the River Thames with all of the body parts in. And the police put two and two together and realize that the body in the trunk is actually Mrs. Thomas. However, it is worth noting here, and we've also got to keep in mind the time period that this is going on. So criminal investigations aren't as thorough as they are now, but this is literally just circumstantial evidence. They don't even know that the body in the trunk is Mrs. Thomas. Like Mrs. Thomas is a missing person right now. They don't have Mrs. Thomas's head, so there's no way of identifying the body. They don't have things like DNA or anything like that, so they can't identify the body just from the body parts that they've got. And I'm sure that the trunk that Mrs. Thomas's body was in, I'm sure probably a lot of people had a trunk like that, that possibly could have a handle that matched that trunk. Obviously we know that Kate did it, but I'm just saying at the time, um, how could they be sure? But whatever. So now they realize, um, okay, so it's Mrs. Thomas in the trunk. Kate is missing, we need to find her because she is clearly responsible. And in Mrs. Thomas's house, I think they do come across a letter that Kate wrote and it had an address that was an address in Ireland on that letter. So the police are like, okay, well, she's clearly from Ireland, let's go to this address. And luckily within days of Kate fleeing to Ireland, they do track her down and they do arrest her. And she was extradited back to England to go on trial for the murder of Mrs. Thomas. Kate went 
on trial for the murder of Mrs. Thomas in London. And at this point, she had become a media sensation. The main reason why people were so fascinated with Kate and the crime that she committed was because she was a woman. When people first heard about the dismembered body that was found in the River Thames, People didn't even bat an eyelid. They really didn't care. But as soon as they found out that a woman was responsible for that dismembered body, then everyone went crazy. Literally the whole of London, maybe even further out than London, I don't know, but literally the whole of London was talking about Kate Webster. So during the trial, Kate continued to plead her innocence. She actually never admitted to murdering Mrs. Thomas. And the defense for Kate actually put forward that they really didn't have that much evidence to point the finger at Kate. Then Kate tried to pin the blame on someone else. She tried to pin the blame on a local man called John Church. And John Church was one of the people that she sold some of Mrs. Thomas's furniture to. And Kate knew that by blaming the crime on a man, this would be so much more believable to the public and to the courts. And can you believe her plan actually worked? John Church was arrested for the murder of Mrs. Thomas. They did a whole investigation into John Church, but he had a solid alibi. He was innocent and he was released, I think, the next day. However, in the end, after all the evidence was heard in the trial, the jury found Kate guilty of the murder of Mrs. Thomas, even though Kate had done her very best to wriggle out of it and she was sentenced to death. But then there is another twist. Kate actually said that she was pregnant and this meant that she would get out of the death penalty because you weren't allowed to execute a woman, obviously, if she was pregnant. So they had to do this big investigation. Uh, however, they did this. I, I, I don't know. And remember, Kate does like to lie. So it turns out that this was a lie as well. She wasn't pregnant. She was just trying to get out of the death penalty. So during this time, it's 1879, the method of execution in England is still hanging. And normally, which I just think is crazy, but normally these hangings were done in public, but a new law had recently passed that this was not gonna happen anymore and hangings were gonna be done in private. And let's just say people were outraged because this case was huge. It was a sensation and people, weirdly, wanted to see Kate hung. They wanted to actually watch it. But in the end, the execution was carried out in private, but that still didn't stop large crowds gathering outside of Wandsworth Prison, which is where the execution took place. So on July 29th, 1879, Kate Webster was hung in Wandsworth Prison and she was just age 30. And it's just crazy to me that she was hung so close after being charged with murder. Like... They did not mess around there, did they? After Kate was hung, all of her possessions were auctioned off. And I think this was pretty customary. I think this happened with everyone. I don't think Kate was special here but a lot of her possessions were going for very high prices. This is because this case was such a sensation. It was so scandalous. Essentially, everyone wanted a piece of Kate which is just a little bit weird, but I suppose things like that happen now, don't they? Like you can buy like things from murderers. I think you can anyway. That's just weird. Why would you want any of that? Why, why? Following Kate's execution, the only mystery left to be solved was where was Mrs. Thomas's head? And this went unsolved for ages. And I mean, a very long time until the head was found 131 years later. And guess who found it? 
none other than Sir David Attenborough. I know, can you believe it? Like, what the hell? What are the chances of that? And if you don't know who David Attenborough is, I mean, shame on you. <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you watching this probably know who David Attenborough is. I feel like he is pretty well-known worldwide, but he's like, a national treasure. I love David Attenborough, okay? So yeah, it was David Attenborough that basically solved the mystery of where Mrs. Thomas's head was 131 years later. So remember that Kate had disposed of the head at the back of the pub that she was in and she buried it under some stables. Well, it turns out that David Attenborough lives next door to that pub. And he actually bought that pub because he wanted to expand his property. And then when workmen came to start digging up the site, this is where when the head was discovered and the skull was sent away for analysis and it was confirmed that this was the head of Mrs. Thomas and they could also figure out from the head that Mrs. Thomas had actually died of asphyxiation. So yeah, Kate strangled her, didn't she? So that is the case of Kate Webster. And if you're wondering what happened to her son, I actually don't know, but it is rumored that when Kate fled back to Ireland, she did take her son with her. Um, so maybe she dropped him off with some family there. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened to her son. And that brings us to the end of the episode on Kate Webster. I still cannot get over the fact that David Attenborough made an appearance in that case. So thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And if you enjoy the show, it would mean so much if you could leave a five-star review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Room Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one.